Hello, everybody. Hey, and welcome back to the Boy Boy Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Quinn. And joining today is a special guest, Jay Muddy from Stratford Paddock. How's it going, Jay? Good to have you back on. Yeah, good to be back on, man. Good stuff. Looking forward to the game uh, on Thursday night. It's a big one, isn't it? Huge one. And I believe you're going to it. Is that right? Well, I'm going to Barcelona. I ain't got a ticket yet. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Hopefully, I can get one uh, when I'm there. But yeah, I've. Uh, I'm going to make the trip and, and take the plunge and we'll see anyway because I think it's been a bit difficult to get tickets for a lot of people who haven't gone through United and got got any away and because of what happened. I think it was the Frankfurt game where Frankfurt fans just invaded the, the new camp. So they're being a bit stricter at Barcelona now with tickets or people buying tickets from, from abroad or whatever. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, But worst case scenario, I'll just have to find somewhere in Barcelona to watch it. It's not the end of the world, is it? No, definitely not. It's one of the most beautiful cities in Europe, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it no matter what. Um, so uh, we're going to do a preview of the game, uh, and then we'll talk about a few other things around the club. So one thing that, that most fans probably missed is that Marcel Sabitzer is suspended for this game. Um, he, I think he picked up he picked up three bookings uh, in the Champions League group stages. Um, is that correct, or, or have I got that wrong? No, you're right. He... Um... He is, he is suspended for this game. I didn't realise um, until after the Leeds game, I think it was, where people were saying, people were pointing out, you know what, we've got no Sabitzer for this game because he's when he was at Bayern Munich, he, um, he like you just said there, he um, he picked up three bookings or whatever, whatever reason he is, he, too many bookings, so he's suspended for this game, which is a little bit frustrating because Casemiro's coming back and against... Barcelona, you want as strong a team as you can have. We're already missing Martinez. So, to miss um, Sabitzo, who's looked decent, I think, as well in a United shirt, it is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. Uh, and, but it's a relief that Casemiro is able to play in this one. So, it's obvious who's going to play in the midfield too. And that's going to be Casemiro and Fred, you would have thought. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Think? Yeah, definitely. Solo in the chat there. He's um, he's, Cass- he's uh, Fred's biggest fan. He'll be buzzing. Um, <laughs> that that's happening. Um, yeah, I think that when you look at it now, we haven't got any other options. You've got um, Danny van der Beek's out. I know he doesn't play a lot, but he was getting into the team. He's out. Ericsson's out. So bits are suspended. Um, who else? McTominay's out. So who've you got? Who've you got left? You've got literally Casemiro. Fred and Bruno. I think unless you're going to go with one of the youngsters, maybe a, a Zidane Iqbal or whoever, but are you going to throw them in at the new camp? Probably not. And then you look here, you go, okay, maybe you can play Victor Lindelof in midfield. He mentioned that in a press conference a little while ago, he's been trying him in midfield. You don't try, you know, it's a bit of a stretch to try him in midfield against Barcelona away. So I think you, you have to look at Eric Tanag and go, I've got three midfielders available. I'm going to have to go with him. I'd be very surprised if that wasn't your midfield three on Thursday night, Bruno, Fred and uh, Casemiro. Well, here's the lineup that I think that Ten Hag might go for, although it is extremely hard to predict uh, Ten Hag's 11s. Um, there's, sometimes there's surprises in there. Um, so going on who's available, uh, I think this might be the team. Um, De Gea in goal, uh, Wambasaka right back, uh, Varane and Shaw, Centre back and uh, Malassia at left back in the midfield of Casemiro, Fred, and Bruno, and in a front three of 
Sancho, Rashford, and Garnacho. I do accept the fact that Wakehurst could could well start the game, but uh, I think he might go for a fluid from three away in the new camp. So what do you think, Jay? Yeah, um, I've I've gone a slightly different. I've gone I've, on my predicted eleven for the, the Paddock Channel. I went with Verghost. I went with Rashford, Verghost, and Sancho. Um, I, I don't understand what you mean about the fluidity, and I just I just looking at it, I think is he going to start Ganacho in uh, in the new camp? I'm not sure. I think Vegos, although he's not really been amongst the goals, does okay. And I think he, he did relatively well. He did very well, actually, towards the end of the Leeds game at Ellen Road. And I think that he's a player that, if, you, if you're up against it, which I think we might be a little bit in this game, he can sort of do a little bit at defending from the front. He, he, has, he is very energetic. He is quite physical. He does press quite a lot, which it, in this type of game could be ideal because... Listen, in the modern era, everyone loves players at press and, you know, it used to be called closing down in my day. And obviously, Eric Sennheim's brought him in because he can do that. You'd probably want to see more of him in terms of goals and stuff. But that that works quite well in the modern game for certain games especially. And I think this is one of those games when you've got a Barcelona team who, I think someone in the comments saying, I think it's uh, Hazufa, saying how the flying, they are, I think they're, what, the 11 points clear in the league or something stupid? Um, other than the Champions League... Issues they had obviously because he drops out of the Champions League, that's why we're playing him in Europa. Other than that, they've been flying very, very solid defensively, and obviously, they can you know, they've got goals in that team, especially with Robert Lewandowski. So, I think someone like Veghorst for a game like this could work because it's going to be one of those games where you are going to be up against it quite a lot. I do think we're going to have to chase the ball quite a lot, and he might be that guy for that. So It'll be interesting to see. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he did drop him because, like I say, the one floor in Wales game so far anyway, United has been the, his lack of goals. You know, he's got the one goal I think against Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup. It was a bit unlucky, I thought, against Leeds because was his offside goal was that not a little bit harsh? Because didn't it come off the Leeds defender? I think I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Offside, yeah. technically, I think if you're going to stick to the rules, he wasn't. But um, I think. Either of the options, the front three you've gone with, or you know what I've predicted, I think makes sense. Yeah, um, he, he excelled when he was dropped to number ten at the weekend. Played the Cantona role, would you believe? Um, and he he, he uh, assisted Garnacho's goal, but he also played a, a role in creating other chances uh, in the second half. So that could be something to watch going forward. Um, you might see more of Wakehurst in that uh, number 10 role. Um, it's not something that any fan prior to Sunday would have anticipated, but uh, Ten Hag uh, is a brilliant coach. By the way, Ten, I know I've said this in the previous show, but Ten Hag was the one who turned the game around on Sunday with his substitutions and changing a few players around into different positions. And we just started to dominate then, didn't we? So it was great to see. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he did. And he's very, very good at that. It's an eye, you know, you look at when he has to make changes, he makes them, like you say, Veghorst and someone else in the comments is talking about him. He seems to really do well in number 10. Maybe there is a, a, a situation where Veghorst goes into that number 10 role and Bruno perhaps goes on to the right-hand side. He's used him there before. I'm not sure. And Marcus goes up up front. Could happen. Um, wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. I just wonder whether, just for this game in particular, at the new Camp, he just sort of sticks to a slightly more 
don't know if reliable is the right word, but sort of more established front three of, of having Weggles there. He has played a lot of games since he's come in. Marcus on the left and Jaden Sancho is now back in the team on the right-hand side. I don't know if that might be something that just sort of perhaps is a little bit of a more safer option. So you'll think he'll go for the more experienced front three and and maybe bring Garnacho on in the, after 70 minutes or so when Barcelona legs are tired? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's good at that. Any Garnacho stretching the opposition, stretching the defence, you can do it through the start, but especially uh, as a substitute, we've seen it, what the impact he's had on late, uh, had late on in games, both against Leeds and against Fulham as well. I think against Villa in the Cup. So yeah, I'd be um, I'd be all for that. I think... Uh, if if you you know if you, if there was like one goal in it or even if there's two goals in it, right? If we were chasing the game and you brought Ganacho on, you'd fancy him to cause Barcelona problems. I know they're so so solid defensively. I think they've conceded something like seven goals in the league this season, which is just ridiculous record. But I think Ganacho can stretch anyone, and also I think if you've got the likes of Marcus Rashford and perhaps Alejandro Ganacho running out, yeah, that could cause you problems no matter how good your defense is. Yeah, before we continue, can everyone please subscribe to the channel, uh, drop us a like on the video and get more comments into the live chat. Um, yeah, it's a pity that Zabitzer's not going to play this game because I'm really looking forward to seeing him play alongside Casemiro. And it'll be interesting to see what midfield he picks when everyone's available, apart from Ericsson, obviously, for the cup final. Will he go for Zabitzer or will he go for Fred in that match? Because um, another thing that I missed at the weekend is that uh, I forgot to mention uh, on the last podcast was that Zabitzer played a big role in that Marcus Rashford goal at Leeds. Uh, lovely switch of the play out to Shaw, and uh, who obviously provided the cross then for Rashford. So Zabitzer, I think, there's a lot more to come from him. And I know we're not going to see him uh, on Thursday night, but I'm really looking forward to what he's going to bring to the table uh, in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, so coming on to Barcelona. They're, they're picking up a lot of 1-0 wins. Um, they're like George Graham's Arsenal uh, at times this season. Um, <laughs> do you think that our main problem is not going to be Barcelona's attack? It's going to be breaking them down, uh, quite possibly. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. They're so um, sort of solid defensively. It almost, it's almost easy to ignore that because you look at Barcelona... And you look at some of the players they've got, you know, they've got Dembele, they've got Lewandowski, they've got De Jong, of course, creative players, goal scorers, those types of players. And you go, you know what, this, 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 you know, Barcelona, they can get at you, they can cause you issues. But breaking that defence down, I mean, it's I think it's the most um, or so effective defence in, in Europe, I think, in terms of the, the top leagues. I think no one's conceded fewer goals than Barcelona. I think you have to go some distance. I think there's about another six goals or whatever before you get to someone who's, who's who's the second best defensively in Europe. So it is going to be hard and you've got to be at the top of your game at Manchester United. It was funny because pre-season or mid in the, in the summer, people looking at Barcelona and going, oh yeah, they've got all these problems, you know, the, 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 the financial problems, they want to sign players they can't sign, they want to keep hold of players they can't keep hold of. Is it all going wrong for them? But you look at how well Xavi's done there as a manager, you know, they're just flying. And they're flying in the league, which La Liga. I know. I don't think it's La Liga is the the, the 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 division it used to be a few years ago, but it's still a league that more often than not gives you a Champions League winner. It's still got some very good teams in it, and you look at the way Barcelona are going about their business this season. It's hard not to go into this game, in my opinion, anyway, being a little bit apprehensive because you're up against one of the top sides in the world. 
Yeah, I would definitely take a draw in this game, as um, somebody says in the comments, I think it was Matthew. Um, uh, a score draw would be ideal. Um, a win would be even better. Um, but people think because it's not the, the vintage Barcelona under Luis Enrique or Guardiola with Messi, Neymar and Suarez up front. Um, they're not scoring goals as reg regularly as they used to. Um, but there'll be a tough nut to crack. They're keeping clean sheets, like you say. Um, they're winning games. They're top of the league by a mile. And I know that the, there's a reason why we're playing them. And that's because they finished third in the Champions League group with Inter and Bayern. Um, and there were shambles against Inter when I watched them. Um, but I think they've improved since then. Um, and they're going to be... We're not the finished article by any means. Um, so I think it it is going to be a tight uh, affair over these two legs. Barcelona, I think, are slight favourites, um, but hopefully we can shade it um, uh, and, and beat them and get through. But uh, here's a statistic that I wasn't aware of. I don't know if you're aware of. The only two United players to score in the new camp against Barcelona is York and Cole. Would you, can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, I can believe that because um, Stephen Allison just told me that start a little earlier. He asked me that question about three hours ago. Um, so, yeah, it's in that one game as well, wasn't it? Uh, back in the, the 99 season. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just goes to show that historically we've struggled there. We've had difficult times there. I remember a few, in the, the mid-90s, I was getting turned over once where we had the free foreigner rule, to be fair, though. So that wasn't ideal because you had to play a lot of youngsters, players like Nicky Butt when he was, I think he was about 19, 20 when he was playing in the in the new camp. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a concerning start, a bit, bit worrying. I know it's a cliche though, but history does go out the window a little bit because if you look at it, you could go, well, you know, okay, we, 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 you know, last time we were in there, 2007, 2008, we played him and we drew 0 0 away from home, but then we beat him at Old Trafford. In the, in the return leg, so we got through that way. So it doesn't mean that, you know, it's important. doesn't mean two things. It doesn't mean it's impossible for United to win. But even if we don't get a result there, this is a two-legged tie. And we've seen United do that before. Where we've gone to Barcelona, got a nil-nil, come back and beat them on the Old Trafford. Something like that could well happen again. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. It's going to be very difficult, but it's, it's not impossible. And I think that this Manchester United team, even though it is going to be a little bit makeshift because you're missing Martinez and you're missing Ericsson or Sabitza, as it will be now, and obviously Martial, who's just been that long-term injury, even though when he comes in, he's, he's always seems to get injured straight away. People have almost forgot about him. So it is a bit makeshift. But despite all those factors, I still think there's a, a puncher's chance for this Manchester United team because we have beaten some good teams this season. We've beaten City, we've beaten Arsenal when they were, well, they still are top of the league, but when they were flying, we were the first team to beat them. Liverpool, of course, I know they're a bit erratic this season, but we've beat them. So there's been results where you can look in, you go, OK, United on their day, on our day, we can give anyone a game, including Barcelona. Yeah, if, if any player, any current player, he's going to add his name to the illustrious list of players who have scored against Barca and Newcamp Man United, it's going to be Rashford, isn't it? <laughs> You'd think so. Uh, I, I mean, think he's so. just on fire. Um, obviously, this is going to be his toughest test yet, I think. Barcelona away, probably the most difficult game he's had this season, certainly this season. If you look at form and the way teams are playing and the, the players they've got, but he scores, he scored goals against anyone. Scored against City, scored against Arsenal twice, scored against Liverpool. These are teams that, especially Arsenal, City, top of the two top teams in 
in the Premier League. So there's no reason why he can't get a goal. He just needs chances. You've seen against uh, Leeds, Ellen Road. He's having a very quiet game, I thought, Marcus Rashford. I thought it was one of his worst games this season. He gets a chance and he scores. So you just need to give him the chances. That's it. We can create something, even if it's one chance I'd fancy Marcus Rashford to put it in the back of the net. Yeah, and he's starting to add headers to his game, left-footed goals, left-footed assists. Um, how much is this down to Benny McCarthy, do you think? This is the funny thing, right? If, push, if truth be told, right, we've no idea. It, I don't know whether Benny McCarthy has had a massive effect on Marcus Rashford because I'm not in training with Marcus Rashford and Benny McCarthy. But you can look at it and you can go, it does seem quite a coincidence that Benny McCarthy comes in and all of a sudden, Marcus Rashford is scoring heading goals. He's scoring different types of goals. He's scoring constantly. That, that to me, is, is more than coincidence. There's got to be something there. So it seems as though Benny McCarthy has had a positive influence on Marcus Rashford. There's a reason that Eric Tenhag wanted to bring Benny McCarthy in. Seems to have worked. Whatever, whatever he's doing with Marcus Rashford, he's getting good results by it. He's getting him to score or helping him to score every week, I should say, because... Most, most of the credit, if not all of it, has to go to the player himself. But you've obviously got a player there that's willing to listen, that's willing to train, willing to work hard. Had a bit of a stink last season, but this season has been it's been a complete 180. He's been as good this season as he was bad last season. And this is the Marcus Rashford that many of us always knew was there. We saw it when he first burst onto the scene. We saw it under Oligon and Solskjaer. Not as consistently, but he did get over 20 goals in, in, in two seasons under Oli. This season, the way he's going... He might even hit 30 goals. And if he can get to that 30 goal mark, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, and I think he will get there. Um, I would love to see him add a goal in the new camp to his CV. That would be fantastic. And of course, a goal at Anfield would be even better um, on the 4th of March. <laughs> um, so, and, and, yeah, another... that'd, be, that'd be the icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another player who's playing in this game who will be playing for Barcelona, but could have been playing for Manchester United, and you know exactly who I'm going to be talking about here, uh, and that is Frankie de Jong. Um, is this going to be an, an audition? Uh, Never heard of him. For Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Frankie de Jong, yeah, yeah, well, we did about 500 stories on him during the summer. Um, <laughs> possibly. I mean, listen, I don't think Frankie de Jong needs an audition. Eric Tenag loves him, doesn't he? He wanted him. I think he was his transfer priority. And at one point, it looked like he was going to come to Old Trafford. I think Barcelona accepted a bid for him, but he didn't want to leave. He was Whether it was just because he wanted to carry on playing for Barcelona, which is one thing, or it was the money. Apparently, he was owed 70 million quid in wages that he was expected to, to walk away from and he wasn't willing to. I don't know. But Frankie de Jong, he's a hugely talented player. And the fact that Eric Tenag was so keen on him does worry me. He worries me. I've seen a little bit about of him this season. Not a lot, I'll be honest with you. But, you know, if you've got a manager like Tanag, who knows a good player when he sees one and he's eager to bring him to Old Trafford. There's a reason behind that. So I think Frankie Dion could be someone we have to keep an eye on because we know he's that sort of player who can orchestrate things, who can create chances, who can sort of get a team going and help to dictate the play. So you just need to sort of maybe get in his face a little bit and hope with someone like Fred, who's very energetic. Bruno's energetic as well. Casemiro's solid. We'll have a midfield that can cope with what anything Barcelona's got to offer. Yeah, and United fans who don't watch don't watch Barca regularly will get to see Dion in close quarters now and get to see what we're missing or, and what we could potentially have in the summer because, you know, obviously uh, Bellingham, Rice, 
Um, well, Enzo Fernandez is already gone to Chelsea, so the market's getting smaller for like a an, a world class midfielder who who's met one of the players that were expected to sign is another midfielder. Um, as good as Ericsson and Casemiro have been, they are both turning thirty one this month. I actually, I actually think Ericsson is thirty one today uh, on Valentine's Day. Um, so obviously, ideally, we want someone who's maybe in around the twenty five mark. Or a bit younger, um. So De Jong fits that profile, um. So and we know that Ten Hag loves him, and Ten Hag's hit rate has been amazing so far. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back in for him in the summer because it seems as if Barca still want to sell him. They want the money for him to raise cash for other players. So, um, it wouldn't shock me at all. But do you know what? I, I don't want another saga that drags on until the thirty first of August. Either we do it early or don't do it at all. I just can't bear another summer of us doing fifty videos about De Jong. <laughs> I know it just got a little bit tiring, didn't it? Especially when it was like the same story over and over again, which was basically that you know we wanted him, Barcelona were willing to sell him, but he wasn't willing to walk away from Barcelona for whatever reason, and it just kept going on and on and on in the same sort of the same story, just rewritten by various journalists. To be honest with you, there was never any sort of progress or movement on that. And you got uh, it sort of became evident towards the end of the transfer window. This wasn't going to happen this summer or in January. Maybe next summer it does. Yeah. So other threats for Barca. There's a very obvious one up front, Lewandowski. Um, but apart from De Jong and Lewandowski, who do you think will pose the, the biggest threat on the night? Um, it's a good question. I mean, they have got they've got a lot of players who. Can you know on their day can can cause you problems? There's there's Gavi, there's Rafinha, who's not you know is a bit inconsistent, but you know what he's capable of. Um, the, the other midfielders, where you look at Kessie or Pedri, you know they're quality players. Um, this just it's for me with Barcelona, they've got a lot of um, a lot of quality there and a lot of good players. But it's like, if you think of one, you think of just Lewandowski, you think, oh, you know, we keep Lewandowski quiet, then someone like Gavi can, can cause you problems. You think, oh, well, the young's the one who makes the midfield tick. Well, you'll have someone like Pedri who'll get on the ball and, and, and get a goal or create something. So you, it's like that you've got an entire team where they're so solid defensively, they're so creative in midfield, and they, they're so, sort of, so much of a threat in attack, you have to be careful. I think the one that obviously stands out, if you had to pick someone, just because of the amount of goals he scores, is Lewandowski. You know, I think he scored 23 goals this season plus six assists. And also of who he is. He is one of the great players of the modern era. He's a, you know, a goal scorer in every sense of the word. He can get his head on things. He can score with either foot. He's just a player that just constantly gets goals and has consistently got goals over the past, you know, 14 season or seasons or whatever it's been at the very highest level. So you have to be mindful of that. He's going to be a problem. But like I said, you cannot just focus on Robert Lewandowski because Barcelona have got quality throughout that team. You don't get to where they are in the Liga with that big points gap at the top if you haven't got a class team. You don't get there just by having a class striker. You need more than that, and they've definitely got more than that. Yeah, uh, Pedri scored at the weekend away at Villarreal, assisted by Lewandowski. And we know ourselves how difficult it can be to score goals away at Villarreal or against Villarreal at all. Um, so that's impressive. Um, and, and obviously Gavi is a great young player. Lots of potential in their team. 
And of course, they have Fernand Torres, who we're familiar with as well. Anzu Fate, he's been linked with United and Sergio Roberto. Yeah, so so many young players with potential, and that midfield looks very strong, doesn't it? Uh, Frank Casse, De Jong, and Pedri across the the midfielder. That's so Casemiro, you know, uh, Bruno, and Fred will definitely have their work cut out. Uh, I think it's absolutely crucial we have Casemiro for this match. Um, especially with the bits are missing, so I'm so glad that he's going to be available for this. He's going to be so used to this type of occasion uh, in Spain. Uh, I'm sure the Barca fans will give him a, a warm welcome, no doubt, and um, being a five-time European Cup winner at Real Madrid. Um, so yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, of it. yeah I'm sure he'll get a standing ovation when he walks on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm really, really looking forward to this match. Um, Hopefully it is doesn't turn out to be another one 0 win for Barca. Hopefully there is goals and entertainment, and hopefully most of the goals come from us. Um, but I mentioned earlier that um, I, will, I want a, a score draw if there's if, if the game is a draw, but maybe that's not even important anymore because is hasn't the away goals rule been abolished or has it been brought back in? What's the latest on that? No, I, I think the away goals rule has been abolished. So you know you can lose one nil away at. at Barcelona and win three two at home, or you know, and it's three to home um, and it's level. So the away goals thing isn't a, an issue this season, which is 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 good to see. Um, I think so anyway. I think I'm not a massive fan of the away goals rule. To be perfectly honest with you, I think it causes more problems than it solves. I know we've we've had situations in the past where it has helped us, and we've had other situations where it hasn't. I think it, you know you can argue it sort of evens itself out. But I just think it's a bit of a nonsense. And I think too many times in games where you go into that first leg and it's all about if you're the, the home team, not letting them score, not get, letting them have the away goal. Um, and if you're the away team, it's like, get that away goal. And I just think it's a bit nonsensical. Just have it as a level playing field. So, yeah, as far as I know, I don't think the away goals rule counts anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, I am pleased with that. Um but obviously it does benefit at times like it did away in PSG four years ago. Um, so I just want to come on to uh, a separate point, um, which is the pending ownership change. Um, we seem to be getting closer to a resolution. Um, Matthew brought it up there. Um, he said, hey, guys, um, current thoughts on the ownership takeover rumours. Is there a preference between the bids we believe are going ahead? Everybody has their own preferences uh, and they have their own reasons. Um, me personally, I don't want to see Manchester United being used for sports washing. Um, but then again, the, the pool of you know honest moral billionaires is very, very small, if, if they even exist at all. Um, and then this talk of Jim Radcliffe is going to be getting being bankrolled by JP Morgan and stuff like that, you know, transferring the debt from. United to Ineos or something. It doesn't sound as appealing now. Um, and then there's the the left field link to Elaine Musk. <laughs> I believe it when I see yeah. that. I really, I really don't see that happening. Maybe it's just him putting that rumour out there, Jay, because he just he loves attention. But like you said on your own show, if if Elaine Musk did come in, he's he's very eccentric. He's very hands on. He loves to sack people, um, and the last thing we want is Tin Hag being removed from his post, given how well he's doing. So there would be a worry for me, despite Elon uh, uh, Musk being one of the richest men in the world. I'd be afraid that he'd come in and make too many changes. So who do you who would you prefer to come in then, Jay? 
I mean, they're all flawed, aren't they? Like, all of them. You know, it's whether it's Elon Musk, who I think at Twitter has been a bit of a lunatic, whether it's um, Jim, Rat- so Jim Ratcliffe, who you talk about the debt still carrying on. I don't want to be sports washing. I think that's my priority. If I had a, the least preferable one would be anything to do with sports washing. I think that Sir Jim Ratcliffe, while there are issues there around the debt and stuff, he does seem slightly more preferable than some of the other names that have been bandied about. So, yeah, I think that is probably the, the way I'd go. But I, I have a feeling that it's going to end up being a sovereign state. I do. I think that the, the talking to the Qataris coming in with massive money. Um, you can already see journalists and, and certain publications just sort of, you know, doing client journalism, basically talking about, oh, you know, the Emir of Qatar has always been a United fan, which is a load of rubbish. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if that's how it ended up. Well, my next question to that is an obvious one, and it's Qatar already own PSG. How can United and PSG play each other? Surely there'd be a clear conflict of interest. But uh, from what I've heard from one of the Sky Sports reporters is that Red Bull have found a way around this by having you know, different people uh, as as a CEO of Salzburg and a different person as CEO of uh, Leipzig. So that's how they fi- find a way around this. So the PSG chairman will not be the chairman of United. It'll be some other character. Uh, and that's how they easily get around these UEFA rules. But we all know it's just basically the same people owning the clubs, so I'm not fooled by that. Um, So I don't like a situation when we're involved in a conflict of interest with another club, you know? Uh, No, I don't either. I think it, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me at all. So, no, I agree with that. It's just, there's a lot of sort of shady stuff going on here, isn't there? And there's a lot of things where you look at it and go, this isn't great, and there's a reason to not like this one, there's a reason to not like that one. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with them, but... Yeah, there's a, there's a few sort of question marks around a few of them. Yeah, there's, I noticed there's a lot of uh, young fans online who just have no interest in human rights or anything like that, or sports washing or anything like that. They just want United to have the most money in the world and buy the best players, get Mbappe and Neymar and buying them to come to United. That's all they really care about. Um, but us older fans um, just want to see a responsible owner um, who's who has the best interests of the club at heart and isn't trying to use United as a vehicle to distract from what's going on in, in other parts of the world. Um, we don't want to be in the same situation as City, Newcastle and PSG. Um, and I know that, like I said earlier, trying to find a moral billionaire is almost impossible uh, and it is going to take billions to buy United. Not many people you know, uh, have that kind of money. So in my personal opinion... Um, I would still probably prefer Jim Radcliffe and second choice would probably be Elian Musk if that's realistic. Uh, but apparently it's going to be 20 people bidding, but uh, I'm sure quite a number of those are not going to be serious bidders and they're just people trying to raise their profile. But uh, there's, there's downsides to all of these and you're never going to get the, you know, the, the ideal owner, you know, someone who's, who just wants to come in and, and, and do the right thing, you know, pump all his his billions into the club uh, and, and 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 expect nothing in return. And who's the big who's his biggest fan is what we are. That's just never going to happen. So we just have to hope for the least worst option, don't we? Yeah, that's it. I think you're right, bro. Hundred percent. Yeah, so yeah, it has been that's it. That's it. 
Yeah, the least worst option. Um, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. And then obviously you can make moral judgments when you know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, no doubt we'll be doing, uh, you'll be doing a show and I'll be doing one whenever the, the new owner takes over. Um, just one last thing. Uh, did you hear this rumour that the Glaziers, when they salienated, uh, want to buy Liverpool? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> Honestly, can you imagine that'd be hilarious after they were giving us grief and the glazes in and all that? Yeah, for for like, what is it? Eighteen years, the Liverpool fans have been chatting glazers in, and uh, that would be something else uh, if they ended up uh, down the road and took over their club. And then they could see, people have said, I mean, the glazers have spent millions on players. Uh, what are you crying about over there at Old Trafford? Um, they just don't understand, um, no, but they, they will don't. understand. The Wasted and the debt we're in and everything else, the way the club's been allowed to sort of, you know, fall behind and the, the training ground and the stadium and everything else and the fact we've let our rivals steal a march on us. So, yeah, they don't understand at all. It's annoying. But they'll soon understand if they, the Glazers take over at Merseyside and they'll understand then, all right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so... Hopefully we can get uh, at least a draw uh, on, or even, I suppose a one-goal loss wouldn't be the worst result in the world and get them back at Old Trafford and get through to the next round. And hopefully we can, hopefully Ten Hag can pick up a trophy at the first attempt. Um, he's already got to the first final possible. Now we want to go one further and win that match. Uh, have you got a ticket to Wembley, Jay? Yeah, I have actually. I have, so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That'd be great to get that first bit of silverware in the bag under it's an that'd be amazing yeah and that's not going to be easy either that's another team who defend very well and don't concede many goals so hopefully we can get the job done um so it's been fantastic to have you on the show jay um again and and hopefully we can have you on again sometime yeah definitely it's always a pleasure kyle of what you're doing on your channel and you know keep going strong and uh yeah we'll chat to you again soon man definitely and and i believe you you you, Maybe I've got this wrong, but were you over here in, in Ireland uh, recently, or are you planning to come over? Yeah, we did the we did the live event in Dublin um, a couple, about what was it about a month ago. Um, looking at maybe doing another one. Uh, we had a great reception, great turnout. It was an amazing night. So yeah, we loved it. Loved all the fans over there in Ireland. Of not our fans, Manchester United fans. Um, but yeah, we had a great turnout where we did our live event. It was myself, Steve, uh, and McCullough, Joe. And also Brian McClare joined us as well. So it was a really top night, one of the best nights I've ever had to be honest with you. So yeah, hopefully we'll do that again soon. Well, if you're coming to, I'm a bit closer to Belfast than Dublin. So if you're ever coming there, I'll, I'll be sure to, to come along. <laughs> I know a guy, a lad who was uh, chatting to me from Belfast. He's like, you got to come to Belfast next time. So yeah, we'll add it to the list. Definitely, 100%. <laughs> okay, I'll see you then then. I'll see you later. See you later, Carl. Thanks for having us on, bro. Take care. Anytime. All right, see you later.